Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right, welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us here on WYSL. We're live to 1 p.m., so give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We're also streaming over the interwebs, over on... Uh, Free Solution to Facebook page, Free Solution to YouTube channel, and the Kevin Wilson pages. And a little bit later, broadcasting over on WACK out in Newark. Appreciate y'all being here as well. And today we are talking about those New York State uh, ballots, propositions uh, that you're going to have to see. Like if you, if you haven't voted early already, voted absentee, any of those things, uh, there's questions on the back of the ballot, and I'm sure when you go in there, they're going to remind you, hey, remember to flip that thing over and answer the questions on the back. So we're going to go over what the heck those things say today, whether or not it makes sense to vote yes or no on these things, and, and what they actually do. What's what's the impact going to be of these different ballot proposals? And especially, like, a, a couple of them are pretty straightforward, right? Like, especially uh, that the, the last one. It's pretty straightforward. It makes sense. Uh, The first one, though, there's a lot of clauses to this. There's a lot of different things going on in this uh, this, uh, ballot proposal. And uh, so we're going to break down what it does, what the implications of each thing are. And then I'll give my opinion, take it or leave it, on on whether or not, like, you should vote for this thing. But make your own decision. I want you to be informed of this. And if you're listening online, too, I posted the link to the, the New York State link uh, of the uh, breakdown proposals, the exact text, the changes to the New York State Constitution that would take place, and like their abstract on what these things do too. So you'll get it from, from the state, but you can look up a whole bunch of different sources on, on what this does. And and a lot of uh, public interest groups are making comments on this, you know, from the, the League of Vin- uh, Women Voters to NYPERG, especially the first one. The first one is the one that's generating, I think, the most controversy, but let's break down what it does. And, and remember what what these what these are because we don't really have a way for voters themselves to directly get something on the ballot in the way they do out in like California. Uh, this is something that if New York State wants to make a big change, like a change to the state constitution, they have to pass it twice in the legislature and then give it to voters for us to vote on. So this is what's happened here is these have been voted on twice by now the democratically controlled uh, uh, houses of New York State, both the Assembly and the Senate. And now we get to decide on them. All right, so here's what the first one says. Again, try to follow along because there's a few things going on here. Exact text says, the, this proposed constitutional amendment 
would freeze the number of state senators at 63, amend the process for the counting of the state's population, delete certain provisions that violate the United States Constitution, repeal and amend certain requirements for the appointment of the co-executive directors of the redistricting commission, and amend the manner of drawing district lines for congressional and state legislative offices. Shall the proposed amendment be approved? Now, you walk into the voter booth, you read this. Do you know what this actually means? Again, like, do, do you know like what text is actually changing? No, of course you don't. This is going to change a whole bunch of stuff. So you got to go and read what text is actually changing in the New York State Constitution to know what this means. Some of the stuff, some of the clauses here, pretty straightforward. Uh, freeze the number of state senators at 63. Okay, you, you, you know what that means. we got 63 state senators right now. Of course, we have two... Uh, you know, a, a bicameral legislature in New York State. You have the Assembly, which is more members, and the, the Senate, which is smaller. The Senate used to be proportioned by basically like counties, right? Like, so each county would get one, except for certain counties would get multiple. Um, so it was like 50 plus a certain portion of the population. And now, if this passes, instead of looking at you know, the state population and deciding that the number of state senators should grow by a certain number of positions when after they do the census, it's going to freeze at 63, divide the state by that number of Senate seats, and then the district and commission would decide how that gets split up based on that equal population in theory, right? Which this part of it, you know, again, I, I kind of wish that these were split out into separate questions. Because like that part of it, maybe that's something that makes sense for folks. We can vote that up or down. And then a couple of these other things too. Uh, maybe we vote up or down on that specific thing. Like I am more okay with certain parts of this proposal. Like the, the 63 senators thing, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that being frozen in a certain spot. Okay, sure, whatever. That's uh, 63. That's just as good as any other. I know some of my friends are out there saying like, hey, we should have it – Based on the you know each county should get one. I'm not. We we can't do that anymore. We used to do that, as I mentioned, but that was considered unconstitutional because you'd get uh, representation that didn't. Um, it, it violated the the, the uh, was it the uh, oh, I'm trying to think the one vote. Anyway, it, 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 it basically you wouldn't get proportional representation in the state legislature. It's the reason why they we, we stopped doing that like decades ago. Because if you have a county like uh you know Wyoming County, they would get one senator and then, you know, Erie County would also get one senator. Uh obviously that, that senator in Erie County represents way more people. But the Wyoming County one, which represents fewer people there, weight would be uh, exactly the same in the legislature. So that is not allowed. We still do that at the federal level with the, the federal Senate, but uh, you can't do that at the state level anymore. And, and shout out to the folks who are listening today. Benjamin Johnson says, thanks for covering this. And Blake says, uh, thanks, Kevin. I didn't know these were passed by the legislature twice. Good info. Uh, yep, so that's part of it too. And um, so again, ne next part of that, again, the, the, the state senator thing, like I would be fine with that part of this like it's uh whatever the the other part that i think is is driving a lot of conversation is to mend the process for counting the state's population so they they actually mean two different things by this 
right? So one is that if someone is incarcerated somewhere, the state used to count that population, that jail population for the district that it's in. Uh, by state statute, we no longer do that, but it's not in the state constitution that we don't do that. So instead of counting – say you, you have a, a, a jail in, in like Auburn, New York, right? Uh, that population in the jail would count towards building the district seats. But now it's their last residence before they're incarcerated, which I think actually makes sense. I, I don't think it does make sense to – if you have happen to have like a concentration of a jail in a certain spot that you should get more representation in the state legislature because you happen to have a jail there filled with people who may have come from you know other districts across the state now it should be the last residence if you can account those folks um so the other one too is that there's a proposal to to basically have the state be able to count all all persons in the state count all residents, regardless of citizenship status or Native Americans, in case the federal census fails to include them. And the reason why they had that in there was because, if you remember this last year when they were doing the census, they added the citizenship question there. They thought the state thought that maybe the federal government was manipulating the census questions to not count non-citizens or intimidating people into not answering census questions, which would throw off the counts and therefore throw off representation both at the congressional level and will also throw off the counts on the state districting process. So they're saying, well, if the census does that, we, the state, reserve the right to do our own count if we want to. Um, which seems a bit redundant, and and I, I think the issue's uh, kind of gone away a little bit. But the the state wants to reserve the position to do that. Again, that one I'm, I'm I don't think it's really necessary. It wouldn't be a deal breaker for me. It's it's more the other stuff. So so a couple of these things again, I think that makes sense. The the, the number of senators at sixty three, fine, whatever. Not counting people uh, who are in jail for that district population. Fine. Yeah, I never thought that made sense anyway. And we don't do that by law now. It's just not in the Constitution. And then the doing an independent count. Okay, you know, I guess we could do that. That's fine if we want to. It, it seems like it'd be a lot of money. And what what happens when the federal census doesn't square up with the state census? What takes priority? I think that would be a mess. But the other stuff which we'll get to in the next segment, that's the controversial stuff. And then I promise I'm going to go over all these folks too. The other ones are not going to take quite as long as this one. Um, so we'll make sure we get to, to everything here. Um, and yeah, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about the rest of one and then the rest of the other. Was, uh, give us a call if you want to weigh in on these. How are you voting on these ballot proposals? 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back on a free solution in just a few minutes.
Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wills, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us. We're live until 1 p.m. If you have thoughts on these ballot proposals, you want to share how you're voting on these, add some analysis, stuff that I've missed, give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. also got an 800 number, which if you're listening online, you can call in there or leave your comments. How are you voting on these ballot proposals? Add any thoughts you have here. If they're good, we'll talk about it on air. Uh, so let's go over... The, this is this is the controversial part of the ballot proposal, right? So, so the other part of the first proposal is that it's going to change how the redistricting commission process works. Okay, so it's going to change it in in a couple different ways. So, every of course, every ten years after we get the census, we do redistricting, and it has been a struggle, not just in New York but everywhere. For that process to come across as fair because it's very easy and, and there's often a significant temptation for partisan legislatures to draw districts in a way that would favor their party because you can just say, all right, well, if we take our chunk of voters here and our chunk of voters here, that's a safe Democratic district and and you know we can put the Republicans in this little district here and they get that one district, but then we'll take all of our Democratic voters here and that's how we can end up with a supermajority in, in our legislature, just by drawing the lines in a way that favors them. I, I use Democrats in that example, but Republicans in a whole bunch of states are doing it for their party too. It is a bipartisan thing. It is one of the many ways in which our major two parties rig the system in their favor so that they continue to be in power. Um, so here's a couple of the other ways, though, that the uh, the right now in New York, we, we had passed a ballot proposal in 2014 to take that process out of just the state legislature. So it's not just the, the people elected to the legislature doing that thing and then make an independent commission that then had to present a plan and would be able to have that plan approved and moved forward. Right. So that's. That's how that process worked. We voted on 2014. We are just now implementing that process this year, right? So as as we we redo the districting process, the uh, you may have seen some of the plans that have come out for congressional district and for all this other stuff uh, for state and assembly, uh, state senate and assembly districts. That process is still happening at the moment. So what this does is it changes how many. Commissioners need to vote for it. It also changes 
whether or not a supermajority is required or well, a 60 percent majority is required in the legislature to pass the plans. So in the 2014 uh, ballot proposal, when this thing came out, is if you had a, a plan that was sent to the legislature and the legislature was split one like the assembly controlled by the Democrats, the Senate controlled by Republicans, you would only need a simple majority for that plan to pass. But if both houses are controlled by the same party, then you would need a higher threshold for that to pass. So if you have a situation like we do now, where Democrats control both the assembly and the Senate, you would need to pass that with a 60% majority. The safeguard being that you need to have more people within your party on board if you're going to make the decision that might impact uh, fairness and how the district lines are drawn. It would be more difficult. Now, I don't think the Democrats would have any trouble reaching that threshold anyway. Uh, but now they've just said, nope, now you just need a, a simple majority if this passes, if this ballot proposal passes. You just need a simple majority across both uh, bodies, and that's it. And so I, I get how that previous process is confusing, and then some of the folks arguing in favor are like, well, why would we have this whole process? I think that safeguard actually makes sense, right? Again, you know, you need to have a higher threshold of voting members. If you're going to do something sketchy, it's just going to be harder to do. Um, and so, so having it done by, you know, uh, like a, a higher threshold and, and I'll, I'll read what the New York state analysis on this is too. So you can get the, the objective side here No, not really objective, but you know, it's, it's, it's what the, uh, the abstract is says, um, and this would only be to, if, if the independent, quote, independent redistrict commission does not have the votes to do this. All right. So the independent commission could, um, which is, has its own changes going on, could uh, not come to a consensus, not get at least seven votes out of 10 commissioners to do this. The other change that they had here is before you'd have uh, these commissioners who would be appointed by legislative leaders from both parties. Um, and you had to have votes from at least one of those appointed leaders from the opposing party to approve a plan. And now that's not the case. You still need that, that seven person majority. And so now if they don't get that, it goes to the, the legislature and then, and then that's when they, uh, and that's when they would vote on this. So you need a two thirds majority now. Now it's going to be a simpler majority to be able to get that. And and um, yeah, and, and that's that's where a lot of Republicans are, uh, particularly a lot of Republicans and government groups are having issues with this because the threshold for for approving this should be difficult, right? It should be if you're going to do this on party lines, it should be tough. Um, yeah, so. With this, this, this part of it right here is, is what kind of makes me think that I'm probably going to vote no on this. It's, it's this, this part that makes me think 
I kind of like some of the checks that were in here before, even if I don't necessarily think that Republicans are going to act in good faith to protect my interests as an independent voter. But I think that that check made sense. And because of of these barriers that are going to be removed to Democrats being able to set whatever district lines they want, which you know we, we're – We'd have to see what what comes out of this ten years from now, because it wouldn't apply now. That that makes me think maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe we need to to go back to the drawing board. Maybe we need to see how this process turns out too. I think I'm leaning towards no. There's other parts of this too that do make sense. Like they move up the timeline, which I think they're going to have to do by statute. And because we changed the primary to June instead of September, if you're going to have a new district map come out. Right now, it's it's going to be tough to do that and then know what district you're running in for the primary by the time these things actually happen, right? So they move the timeline up to November. They have basically till – I think it's like the end of the year. I don't, I don't have that part in front of me, but the end of the year to approve that. And, and if they don't, then it goes to the legislature to be able to, to be approved by the beginning of the following year. So they they need to – I got the actual timeline here in front of me now. Um, they would need to get everything done by November 1st, need to submit the, the whole draft by uh, January 1st or the legislature can draw the map. And if they get rejected by the legislature, then they have to submit a second draft by January 15th and then – so on and so forth until they get something done. So the the timeline makes sense. The only part that doesn't make sense is the additional check on minority parties being able to – and minority party, I mean it's Republicans. That's what it is. Uh, minority parties being able to vote on on this. Now, it's just, just the Republicans. The Libertarians, the Greens – they don't get a say in this. I know conservatives have a, a bit of a higher voice, and so does the Working Families Party. But but the actual independents out there, we're kind of at the mercy of Democrats and Republicans to make sure that they do this either way. So part of me is like, nah, what's even matter? But it does matter. So again, I, I'm leaning towards voting no. Um, and, and I'll read a comment too by Blake Smith. He says, I'm voting no in one, three, and four. Didn't these same people vote the change system for third parties who have disappeared from the ballot? That's exactly it. You know, the... The legislature led by – and then Governor Cuomo and his uh, commission on campaign finance increased the threshold for competitive parties like the Libertarians and the Greens and others to get on the ballot. Made it nearly impossible. They've already rigged the game. I'm convinced they're going to try to do that anyway, but I'd rather have those additional checks in there. So, yeah, I think I'm voting no. But if you have any additional thoughts, stuff I missed, stuff I got wrong, give us a call. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. We're here live on WYSL until 1 p.m., so give us a call if you want to participate in the discussion. Let us know how you feel about the ballot proposals. How are you voting? Or just any thoughts, analysis on those. Give us a call 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or leave your comments online. Free Solution to Facebook page, Free Solution to YouTube channel, or kevin wilson pages and shout out down the line to our friends over at wack out in newark thank you for listening to a free solution today now again talking about ballot proposals just to recap spent the whole first half of the show talking about ballot proposal one because it is there's a lot going on with that it would fix the number of senate seats at 63 give new york state an option for counting the state's population independently uh, it would make it in the Constitution, which is already in state law, but making the Constitution so that prisoners are counted by where their last residence was, not where they are incarcerated. And then the controversial thing is a couple changes to the Independent Redistricting Commission. So again, changing how that process gets out of that commission, the number of votes from People on the commission appointed by legislative leaders that are required in order to approve a plan. And then if that commission fails to submit a plan to the legislature that they agree on, then it would change what threshold is required in order for that to pass. So it would go from if the houses are split, simple majority, and if the houses are both controlled by the same party than two-thirds majority to now it's just 60 percent across the board so that's where we'd go to uh and then also change the timeline too you know, some of these things i think might make sense independently of this I, th- I think that's that's really the part that that kills it is that the changes to the uh requirements for getting cooperation from the other parties i think that that's what kills it here but Again, I posted the the link to the text of these proposals. So the, I, I posted a New York State one because it includes the actual changes to the text of the New York State Constitution too. So you can see what what is actually changing here. Their analysis is actually pretty objective on this one, but you can read you know a whole bunch of other stuff. But when I give you that information, so you don't walk into the voter booth and you're like, well, what the heck changes are they even talking about here? Go read up on it before you vote on things. All right. So the other ones. Not going to take as long. They're 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 a bit simpler. They're 
just one thing instead of several things. Uh, so proposal two says the proposed amendment to Article 1 of the New York State Constitution would establish the right of each person to clean air and water in a healthful environment. Shall the proposed amendment be approved? So just add this, this little thing to Article 1 of the New York State Constitution. Now, with this amendment, it's the devil's really in the details and the intent of this. I think I suspect it was written purposefully vague to allow for the imposition of positive rights. Now, if you are I, I think that each person has a, a negative right to not breathe in polluted air. I think that if you are polluting, you are putting a negative externality out there, you are harming people, that harm is measurable and that is actionable within the rights that we have now. Now, if I'm reading this favorably, if I want to read this favorably, this amendment protects us, the citizens, from stuff like that. It just establishes that right that, yes, someone can't pollute my environment, cause harm to me, and and have that be okay. Now, this imposes, the way it's written, imposes a restriction on private behavior and an, a positive obligation on the state to correct any harmful behavior both from itself and from and actions taken by private corporations, citizens, etc., who are violating someone's right to clean water, clean air, a healthful environment, whatever the heck that means. And so where I get concerned about this bill and I think with this amendment and where I think other people do is again what was that mean how do we measure this what it was a healthful environment mean to folks and how is that enforced against bad actors and then like if you have a right to clean air and clean water you know who pays for us to do that again it's a who pays for it? It's, it's us taxpayers paying the state to, in theory, fix these things, right? And if this were focused on clarifying the negative rights of, of property and personhood and our right to not be uh, subject to negative externalities like pollution, I think I might be more agreeable to this. But the way this is written... I think there's a lot of critique out there that says this is going to be – this is written in a way that is going to cause a ton of lawsuits that if you have this established right in this way, there's going to be a lot more reason to bring lawsuits against more companies. And I, I don't know that – this is going to solve the problem that I think it is. I think it's going to mostly lead to more litigation. I think it's mostly going to lead to more obligations on the state and the taxpayer to provide a vague aspirational set of rights that aren't you know, 
it, it, it able to be enforced by others. It, it, in the, when I talk about negative and positive rights, like negative rights is like the government can't interfere with my right to free speech. Now, can I take that same reasoning and say the government can't interfere with my right to have clean water? Well, no, not necessarily. That that means that the government has some sort of positive obligation to make sure that I have clean water. And I don't know that that is the proper role of government here. I said, I think if we reworded this, I'd be more amenable to this. I think this is going to pass, honestly. I, I think this is it feels good, right? It's it's a good it's a great virtue signal amendment. It feels good. Of course we have a right to clean air and clean water and a healthful environment. We want that. We want to say in our constitution, New York State Constitution, that we have a right to these things. I think it's gonna pass overwhelmingly. I, I wish it were worded better and I hope it doesn't create a mess of lawsuits and create a mess of positive obligations on the New York State taxpayer. But I suspect that's going to be the outcome. I think this one's going to it's, – it's going to pass because it feels good. People are going to look at that and they're going to, yep, why wouldn't I want to write those things? It feels good. Fraught with a bunch of issues though. All right. So we're out of time for this segment. We'll get three, four, and five in the last segment. Again, if you have thoughts on these, give us a call, 585-346-3000. Or if you're watching online, that number scroll on the bottom, 866-552-1009. One segment left. We'll be here until one on the live show. Be back in a few on A Free Solution. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Free solution. All right. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us. We're live here on WYSL until 1 o'clock, so give us a call if you want to participate in the discussion. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. And one comment in from Alice who says, I would have to say vote no on all. All right, Alice, thanks for sharing. And, you know, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to work backward on these ones because I think there's a – from least complicated the most the, – the rest of it, there's, there's five proposals, right? So number five is, is pretty simple, right? It says the proposed amendment would increase the New York City civil court's jurisdiction by allowing it to hear and decide claims up to $50,000 instead of the current jurisdictional limit of $25,000. Shall the proposed amendment be approved? Uh, 
So this one, actually, I would vote yes on, well, you know, in part, it's weird that it has to be a state proposal since it's, it mostly impacts New York City. But, I mean, this they, they haven't changed the dollar amount that the city courts can address city uh, civil cases for and since, like, the 80s. It, it's been a while. Um, and this kind of accounts for inflation. Um, so, so basically, if you, if you bring a civil case against someone, you know, like if it's a business going after, you know, business for damages or for an unpaid bill or whatever, right, like you might go to, like, a, a city civil court and have them decide the case for you, right? Uh, but if it's above a certain dollar amount, it goes up to the state Supreme Court. Um, and so that dollar amount is set by by the state constitution, right? Um, and so in this case, if, if someone is suing someone for $26,000, it would have to go up to the state Supreme Court, which handles a whole bunch of cases in a bunch of different areas. So this would shift some of the case burden away from the state Supreme Court downstate back to the, the city courts for civil suits. And they seem to be in favor of it. So fine. You know, I think that's, that's, I, I, I think, don't think that's a big deal to pass. So I, I'd vote yes on five. That that's just me. I mean, if you have strong opinions on it, I, I haven't heard Larry talk about this one. Uh, maybe he has strong opinions on it. I, I think it's fine to have the, the city handle this one though. Okay. Working backwards again, number four, so this one says the proposed amendment would delete from the current provision on absentee ballots the requirement that an absentee voter must be unable to appear at the polls by reason of absence from the county or illness or physical disability shall the proposed amendment be approved. So basically you can have no excuse absentee ballot, right? So if you want to vote absentee, if you want to vote by mail, you just say, yes, I would like to do this. You get your stuff. You don't have to tell them that you're going to be out of state or you're going to be – uh, you know, sick or you can't get out or whatever. You get, you can just get one. Uh, I'm I'm okay with this. Again, if I know some folks are worried about uh, fraud and whatnot, I've talked about this before. I do think that there are good ways in which we could implement mail voting or even digital voting. Andrew and I did a show about this last year. Uh, I, I I'm fine with with making it easier if that's planned. Other states like Washington State have everyone do mail in voting. Uh, I don't think that the risk of fraud is significantly higher than absentee voting for what we have now, nor is it significantly higher than what it would be if you, you were just walking to a voting booth either. And I know folks are like, oh, well, you know, you, you need to go in to be able to, to get your ID checked and whatnot, or, or not your ID, to get your signature checked. Listen, that's not all that secure to be honest i mean like i the, the the folks volunteering there are great but you know they're not signature experts um and and the rate of voting fraud is pretty low so to be honest i think this is fine i think you should be able to do this now which i i think for people who are planning on voting who are making a decision to do this if you're putting that much foresight into it that you want to do that great you should be able to which leads me to proposal number three which is it's going to sound like I'm taking like a very different tack on this, but, you know, I, I have some logical consistency if I can get to it. But proposal three says the proposed amendment would delete current requirement, Article two, Section five, that a citizen be registered to vote at least 10 days before an election it would allow the legislature to enact laws permitting a citizen to register to vote for less than 10 days before the election. Shall the proposed amendment be approved? So basically you'd be able to do like same day register and then go and vote. Right. Um, you know, as the law currently stands, if you are not registered to vote right now, 
the election is Tuesday. But if you're not registered to vote right now, you are out of luck. You cannot go and vote in Tuesday's election. You can't go an early vote. You're not allowed to do that. This would change it so if you decide that you want to be registered to vote right now and go and vote, you'd be able to do that. I'm going to vote no on this one. And here's why. If you have not thought about what you're going to vote for or even put in the foresight to register the vote before an election, I don't really think you should be voting. I'm just, I, know, I, know, I'm just, I know some people are going to hate that I say that, but like, if you don't plan enough to register to vote in the same – you have a whole bunch of time to do it. But if you don't plan to register to vote before the election and it doesn't occur to you until the literal last minute to register to vote for something – you can't plan enough around your life to submit a simple form, which you can do online, to register to vote. Sorry, I don't. I don't think. I don't really want that person voting, and I know it sounds terrible, but like I don't want that person voting who didn't put thought into this ahead of time. Again, if there's lots of folks who go out and vote right now who aren't going to think about these ballot proposals or who they're voting for on the ballot until the last second too. But if you couldn't even have the foresight to register to vote before then. Do, do I want that person going in and making decisions that are going to affect my life? I don't know. And I know there's some folks out there who are like, well, anything that could increase the number of people voting out there is a good thing. We should make it as easy as possible. Okay, sure. Like I'm, I'm in favor of the absentee ballot thing. If, if, if that's the optimal way for you to be able to vote, go and do it. You, you planned. You thought about who you're voting for. Go, go and make a, a plan to go and vote by mail. Fine. I don't care. But if you're not thinking about it at all, why why would I want that person making a decision over my life, over your life, over the lives of all New Yorkers? No, I, I want someone to, to think about what they're doing. It is not optimal for a Democratic Republic to just increase the number of people voting. That's not what I think our goal should be in, in terms of creating a healthier Democratic Republic. Because if you have a whole bunch of folks who are going in and voting and they don't know what they're voting for – that's not good. They're, they're making huge decisions. And that's why I think that Proposal 2 is going to pass because it, it feels good. It feels good, man. Well, let's, let's have a right to clean air and water. I would rather have more informed voters, more thoughtful voters, than more voters themselves. Making it easier to vote isn't a good in and of itself. Getting more people to be thoughtful about how they vote in Limiting the scope of how government can control and interfere our lives is also a good for me. I think that's, that's what it is. But if we're, we're going to have these decisions be made, I, I'd rather people know what they're doing. And I, and I don't know a good, fair, or constitutional way to, to implement that, but it, it kills me. I, you know, I had a, I had a friend who – I love this guy. I had a friend who, who came up to me a couple years ago. And was like, hey, Kevin, I voted today. I was like, oh, great. Cool, man. Like, uh, who, who'd you vote for? He's like, oh, I don't remember who I voted for. I, I didn't know any of them, so I just, I just voted for folks. Like, but, but I voted. Aren't you, aren't you proud of me? And I'm like, dude, no. You, I, did you vote for a communist? Did you vote for a Nazi? Do you know what damage the people you voted for could be doing? Yeah, you got to know who you're voting for. You gotta, I, I'd rather you leave the ballot blank or not show up at all if you don't even know who you're voting for. 
kills me. I, I had folks tell me to who thought they voted for me, voted on the Republican line, and they're like, oh yeah, I voted for you, Kevin. And, no, at last year I was running on the Libertarian line. I wasn't running on the Republican line, guys. Got to read your ballots, and that's that's my message for today, though. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to do this thing on the ballot proposals. Again, link is in the comments. You can check out the actual text, the changes to the state constitution. Go in and be informed on these issues, and not not just these. I don't want you to wing it when you get in the voting booth, but but look up who are the candidates for county court judge. Who are your, your town supervisor candidates who might be running, the county ledge candidates who might be running this year? It, don't just get in there and be like, well, yeah, they sound familiar. Or, oh, you know, I always vote on the Republican line, so I'm going to do that. Or I always vote on the Democratic line, so I'll just go straight across. Don't do not do that. Do, do some research. Figure out who you're actually voting for. And if you don't, I leave I leave spots on the ballot blank all the time. It's, it's what it is. I, if I don't know what it is, if I didn't do my research, I'd rather not – contribute to a bad person getting elected in the office. I, I don't want to be a part of that. But you have the tools to be able to do this yourself, to make informed decisions on these things. So what, where I came down on all this stuff is, one, I'm leaning slightly no. Two, no, same thing. I just I wish it were worded a little bit different, a little bit clearer about what this actually does. I think this is, it feels good. It's virtue signally. It's going to create more obligations and lawsuits than than is really worth it though compared to what we're doing now uh three i'm a no four i'm a yes five i'm a yes that that's that's where i'm at on these issues but we'll keep this conversation going if if anyone else has thoughts on this else uh update or comments that i one through four i would vote no uh if you have any other thoughts on this leave your comment on the on the video uh wherever you're listening uh if you're you're looking online free solution youtube page free solution Facebook page or the Kevin Wilson pages. And, uh, you know, one more comment from Alice, too. I leave spots blank if it's not someone I would vote for. Yeah, go do that. Leave spots blank. That's just it, – it's it's fine. You know, don't – you don't need to vote for everyone. If you don't know, then just, it's fine to not vote for them. It's okay. I'm giving you permission not that you needed it. But or just do your research. Make sure you come into the voting booth prepared. Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Appreciate y'all being here. I'll be back on Friday. Tim will be in tomorrow. Talk to you then.